like me, you watch that video and you could just anticipate Christmas. How many are there with me? You are ready for Christmas and uh, I, can, I can see it, I can hear it, I can smell it, I can't wait to taste it. All the good that happens at Christmas and I just love it and I love that our, our series this year is Home for Christmas. And uh, if you are new to River Valley Church, I hope you feel home for Christmas. I hope you feel that this is a church that wants you, because we do. We'd love for you to uh, make us your church home and to say, hey, this is the, uh, a church I could be a part of. I feel welcome here. And we are glad that you're visiting, you're joining us. And uh, welcome to River Valley. So with Home for Christmas, um, just by a show of hands, how many people are hosting Christmas this year. You are cooking, cleaning, and getting the home ready. You are the designated host. Raise your hand. Here at all the campuses. All right. All right. So we've got some people doing that. Uh, I know that some of our campuses are younger than others. Uh, you may not know this, but some of our campuses are really young, like Minneapolis campus, very young campus, Woodbury also, uh, meeting in a school, young campus. And a couple of the pastors were saying, hey, um, where did all the people go? It was Thanksgiving and they all disappeared. Like that weekend after the holiday was horrible. Is it always like that? I'm like, yes, you have a young family. They go home for Christmas. That's what happens. They're not old like Apple Valley. No. <laughs> Just, there's no old camp. How many know there's not an old campus at River Valley? We are a young church. People say that all the time. Sorry to offend you, Apple Valley. All right. But we, we have home for Christmas. People are traveling and they're going. And you realize that this year, um, 98.6 million Americans will travel 50 miles or more to go home for Christmas. It's not the number one holiday. Actually, Thanksgiving is the number one traveling holiday. But 98.6 million people traveling and saying, I want to go somewhere. I want to make a connection. I want a connection. I want to, I want to be with family. There's something in me that, that I want to be there. I, want to, I either want to go there or I want to be the host. I want family. I want a connection. Uh, we are meant to be in this together. I know that even in our own home, we're starting to be the host home. Not for every holiday, but I'm like, I'll host. I'll do it. But mom has to cook. That's my deal. And as long as she's alive, she's cooking, all right? But there's something about being home for Christmas. You just want to be home. Matter of fact, there are songs. Maybe you're familiar with some of the songs. You know, I'll be home for Christmas. I'll be home for Christmas. That's all you get there. That's it. <laughs> I was so tempted to sing more. That's all we get right there. Uh, but you know that song. It was written uh, about a soldier in World War II. And, 
saying, I can't be home. He said, I, I want to be home. I wish I could be home. You know, my heart is there. I, I want to be there, but I'm here. And there's something about me wanting to be home. And he says, I, I can't be there. I'll only be there in my dreams. But guys, I'm there with you. I'm there with you. Probably a better song um, that really is about being home is there's no place like home for the holidays. And we're saying, hey, I want to be home. I want to be home. No matter where I am, I want to be home. And um, before we move on any further in the message, let's do this here at all of our campuses. Let's pray for those families that have someone deployed. Let's just take a moment to pray for the soldiers and the family of the soldiers, the men and the women that are out there protecting our freedoms. And uh, they would be saying, I'll be home for Christmas only in my dreams. Wish I could be there. So let's do that. So Lord, we just pray right now for all the military men and women that are out serving in the armed forces. They're out saying, we want to keep the homeland safe. And we would love to be home for Christmas. We'd love to be there, but they are saying that they can't. And so, Lord, we pray a blessing on them. We pray that they would feel that the home base is praying for them. The home base is cheering them on. The home base understands their sacrifice. And I pray right now for their loved ones that are here at home and will be missing a, a son, a daughter, a husband, a wife, a mom or dad. We just pray right now that they would feel the peace of God and they'd know that that sacrifice is not in vain. We pray for safety and protection on those men and women as they're serving. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that next year Christmas would be different. Next year they'd be home. This year they're away, but next year it'd be different. They'd be able to be home. And we, again, thank you for the sacrifices that are being made. We pray blessing on the senders and the people that have been sent. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. So as we look at this series, Home for Christmas, I want us to look at the traditional Christmas story. And the older that I get, the more I appreciate and love the tradition of stopping what we're doing and saying, let's refocus on the message of Christmas. Let's look at this and let's look at the longing within all of us to be home for Christmas. Let's look at something deeper here because I believe there's a, a deeper longing than just, I want to go home and eat. I think there's a deeper longing than I want to be around you and, and just be in your presence. I think there's something that is in us, a, a God-given desire to connect with home base, to connect with what matters, to really make sure that we're refocusing our life on, on what matters. And, and as we're talking about the series, we're like, home for Christmas. As I read the Christmas story, and we're going to read it in just a moment, no one was home in the original Christmas story. Do you realize that? Jesus was not home. He left his heavenly home, came to earth. Mary and Joseph, they were not home. They left Nazareth and went to Bethlehem, 70 to 80 miles, really pregnant. I mean, that, not home, okay? The shepherds, even though they were near their home, were told, leave where you're at, where you're staying and where you're living, and go see the Savior. The wise men traveled from a far distance, not home. So really, nobody's home, and there's this longing in us to be home for Christmas, so I think there's a deeper meaning than just a house. So let's read this uh, text, Luke chapter 2. I think this really starts out our, our Christmas season by reading this. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This is the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem to the town of David because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. 
While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared to the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Man, I read that story and I see this amazing story that God sent his son Jesus to this earth to be born into that situation, sent far away from home with a group of people that were called to leave their home and gather together on that significant day where the Savior was sent. Now, I want to read another passage of Scripture, and it's not a traditional Christmas passage, but verse 14 really should be because it's so important to the Christmas story. So in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, and then I'll skip to verse 14. John's writing, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and that's speaking of Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So it's talking about Jesus being sent to this earth. And then it says in verse 14, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And in that verse, that really encapsulates all that's going on with Christmas. The Word became flesh. God said, I'm sending my Son, and I'm sending Him, my one and only begotten Son, in, in, in the glory and in the splendor. If you want to know what God's like, He's saying, I'm sending my Son in the glory and the splendor to this earth. And he's to be full of grace and truth. And you're going to watch and see what God is like. And it was as if God was saying, you know what? Home is here. Home is coming to you. Home is not a place. Home is here. And so God's like, I'm sending my son, and I desire to have you and I connected. And he's saying, welcome home. Welcome home. And he's saying, this is what it's always been about. It's always been about God connecting with his people and, and having a place for us. And if I could do this, I could just go back, and I, I want to go through the, the story of mankind. I tried to put it in Twitter the other day in, in five words. I haven't tweeted it out yet. I was like, the story of God in five words. And uh, I haven't come up with my five exact words. But I want to give you a, a, a jet tour through the Bible. How many are glad I'm not going to read it all? Yeah. 
Right, just, we already read the story there. But I want to go back to Genesis chapter 2 and 3. And we know from the account of the Bible that God creates man. And it's a perfect garden paradise. It's absolutely spectacular what's going on. This perfect paradise, no problems, no sin. It's absolutely amazing. And they are at home with God. And God is their home. And it's not welcome home. It's like, here's your home. And we're in relationship. And it's not about the garden. It's about this relationship with God. And it's just that it's answering that longing that says, we want to connect. And God's like, we're connecting. But it doesn't take long in the creation account that Adam and Eve sin. The Bible tells us that they sin, they disobey God, and we have the first eviction recorded ever. Here they are in the perfect garden paradise, just absolutely wonderful connection with God. They sin and they get evicted. And I want to say this, if you've ever been evicted, don't raise your hand, all right? But there's hope for you. If God's first man and woman can get evicted and they were able to have some uh, positive future, you can get evicted and have a good positive future. You can turn it around. But they get evicted. They get evicted and they're separated from God. And at that moment, it's all about God saying, I want to be connected. I want, I want to say welcome home again. I want to say you'll be home. I want, I want to have this connection with you. And so he promises that he will send a, a savior. He said, I promise that I'll send a savior to take care of this sin problem. And we see all throughout the Bible, God's longing to be with his people. He's longing to be close, just like we have that longing to go home. He's saying, I have this longing to be close to you. I want you to have a longing to be close to me. I want to say, welcome home. And so we see that God goes in the Bible and he picks a, a people group, the Israelites, the Jewish people. And he says, you'll be my chosen people. And through you, I'm going to bring the Savior. Through you, I'm going to send the Messiah, the promised one that will pay the price for the sins of the world. And so he has these chosen people, but he wants to be close to them. And in the Bible, we read in Exodus chapter 25 and 26 that God's longing to be with his people and to be connected with them. And so he says, I want you to make me um, a portable dwelling. I want you to make me a tent. And, and I'm reading this and I'm realizing that God's like, I want to be in a tent. And I'm thinking, even though God wanted to be in a tent, I'm still not going to go camping. How many are with me on that? All right. Got a few amens there. My wife is not a camper, by the way. It's interesting. Our kids told me the other day, they said, do you realize that you've taken us to every continent of the world except Antarctica, and you never once took us camping? I said, it's your mom's fault. <laughs> no, it's my fault too, but it's interesting. We were at a, a resort by the ocean, and um, at this resort, this is amazing, we were at this resort by the ocean, and they gave us these little tins with all the s'more things that you could want in there. And they had the campfire already made for you. And we're out there and we're doing the s'mores and we're looking at the ocean. And Becca said, this is like camping. I said, it is not camping. This is not camping. This is our kind of camping. It is not camping, all right? Camping is a tent, all right? And she's like, yeah, let's just do this kind of camping, all right? But God's like, I want a tent. I want a tent. I want to be there. I want a home. I want to be in your midst. I want you to realize that it's about connecting. God's like, I love you and I want to be close to you. And in Exodus uh, 26, verse 1, God gives instructions. He's saying, make the tabernacle with 10 curtains of finely twisted linen and blue, purple, and scarlet yarn with cherubim woven into them by a skilled worker. 
Before there was HGTV, God's like, I want one of those people to do it. A skilled worker. I want them to make this thing nice. And I want it to be an amazing tent. And in that tent, there was a place. There was the Holy of Holies. And that was a meeting place. And God's like, that's where I am. I'm right between the two wings of the cherubim. I'm right there. That's where my presence is going to rest. And I'm, I'm so close to you. And I'm longing to reconnect and be close to you. I want you to connect with me. I want it to be a welcome home. And it's interesting. God goes from this perfect garden to evicting Adam and Eve to leasing a tent, if you will. It's just a temporary thing. He never really wanted the tent to be the end all. He, he had way more in mind in this whole progress. He's, he's thinking, all right, I'll do the tent and I'm gonna give you a little look at what I'm desiring for, but I really desire an intimacy with you. I really desire to reconnect. And in the midst of all these people, God makes them put the tent right in the middle of the camp. Now for me, this is, I love this revelation there that God's like, put the, put the tent right in the middle and that's where I'm gonna be and then surround me with the 12 tribes of Israel and they're all gonna be around me. I want them to be equally close to me. I want them to know I wanna be close to them and I want them to be close to me and God puts his tent in the middle of their mess. In the middle of their mess. These people are former slaves that don't know common hygiene. They don't know it. They're slaves. They don't have a clue. Matter of fact, in um, Deuteronomy 23, if you, if you want to read this later, it could be homework. Deuteronomy 23, and if you're a teenage guy, you're going to for sure read this. Deuteronomy 23, verses 10 through 13. These people don't even have a clue how to go to the bathroom. And God said, I'm going to put my tent in the middle of your mess. And first rule here, one of the rules here, if you're going to go to the bathroom, go outside the campground Dig a hole and then bury it, all right? So he gives them instructions, camping uh, disposal, all right? And in the middle of their mess, they don't have a clue how to live. They don't have a clue how to go to the bathroom. God's like, I'm putting my presence in the middle of your mess. And Christmas, God's once again putting Jesus in the middle of the mess. In the middle of the mess, he's like, here's animals that we can't even talk to them and train them, and they're going, and, and I've got shepherds who are smelly, and they're there, and in the middle of the mess, God's like, here I am. Here I am. And God is in the middle of your mess, and he wants you to get in the middle of everyone else's mess. You say, well, I don't, Lord, my family's a mess. I don't even want to go home for Christmas. And the Lord's like, don't even. They didn't even know how to go to the bathroom. Your family's potty trained. Come on. Don't even. Get in the middle of your mess. You say, well, what about the workplace? Get in the mess. What if God wants you to go to the work party and be in the middle of the mess and live between abstinence and moderation and stay there, right? Remember? Uh, you're in the mess. You're in the mess. Your school, you're in the mess. Your neighborhood, you're in the mess. You're in the That's the way God operates. He's like, I long to connect. I long to be there. I, I, I want to say welcome home. And he's saying, come on, I'm getting in your mess because I love you and I want you to realize you're longing for home. You're longing for connecting. I've placed that in you and it's a desire there for us to connect. So moving along, God has this portable tent and, you know, paradise, eviction, portable tent. And then one day, um, King David, who was king of the Israelites, the Jewish people, he's like, this is just not right. It's not right that God should have a tent. 
God needs a permit, like he needs a place, he needs a temple. He needs, this is not right. I've got a nice palace and God has a tent and so we need to build him a, a better place. And so in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 1 and 2, after the king was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, he said to Nathan the prophet, here I am living in a house of cedar while the ark of God remains in a tent. He's like, I want to build him something nice. And Nathan says, go ahead, start planning for it. Ultimately, David's son Solomon builds an amazing temple. Matter of, you, matter of fact, if you go to Jerusalem now, you can just see the foundation of what was the temple. It's absolutely spectacular. And, and on the day that they dedicated, God goes from being portable church, if you will, to having a, a, a building. The presence of God is so strong in that place. He's so excited that he has a place. And he's saying, they're getting it. Like, we want to connect. I want to connect with them. And, and I want them to connect with me. His presence is so strong that day. It says the priests can't even keep ministering. They're falling down because the presence of God is so strong. And he's like, I want to connect with you. Welcome home. I want to connect. I want you to connect with me. It's an amazing thing. As time goes on, there's prophecies about a Savior. And we love the prophecies of Isaiah, the prophet, Isaiah 7, verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. We know that his name is Jesus, which means God save, but it means one of the titles that he's going to have is God with us. He said, this is what's going on. God is going to be with you. And, and we fast forward to this moment where we've been talking about that God sends Jesus, his only begotten son, that God's saying, guess what? I, I want to say welcome home. I want you to say welcome home. I want to connect. I'm sending my son into your mess. And that verse 14 of, of John chapter 1, this would blow the minds of the people of that day and age. How in the world could God want to get into our mess and be involved? And not only that, how could he want to take on this body mess? And John says he did. In verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling, which is interesting. That word dwelling is the word tabernacle. Interesting, God had a tabernacle, a tent. And he says he made his dwelling, his tabernacle, his tent. He's like, I want to be with you. In the Young's literal translation, it says, and the word became flesh and did tabernacle among us. And we beheld his glory, glory as of an only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I love what the message translation says about this. God's like, welcome home. We're connecting. Message, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. <laughs> How many know that sometimes the message just kind of makes it really casual, you know? We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. Let me read it one more time, ESV. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. God said in Jesus, home is here. Home is here, home for Christmas. I'm sending home to you. And I want you to reconnect. And he's saying, I've got a place for you. And it's connected with me. And I've sent my son. And I've sent him to die for you, to pay the price for you, so we can reconnect. He's going to take care of that sin problem that started with Adam and Eve and is in all of us. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And he says, guess what? Welcome home. Jesus lives in the mess and says, welcome home. You can be home for Christmas. Garden paradise, evicted, portable, leasing a place, a home. But then God says, guess what? I don't want you to come and visit me. 
I've come to visit you, God with us. And he says, instead of just seeing, I'm gonna come and let you touch him. It's interesting. In the Old Testament, there was a place where God was, the temple. And people with diseases and sick and the left out had to stand on the edge and just look in. And when God sends Jesus, he says, welcome home. You know what he does? Not only does he go live in the mess, he goes and touches the mess and hugs the mess and welcomes the mess and welcomes the messiest people. That's welcome home for Christmas. And I want you to get this picture of God the Father, how much he loves us and how much he says home for Christmas is where he wants you. In the video that we had at the start of the sermon, we had the mom longing and getting ready for her family. She's just longing. I want you to see your heavenly father as the ultimate parent longing for your return. And the Bible tells us that he's just like a good Christmas meal. He's cooking up a feast. In Revelation 19, it says that there will be a feast that will just blow away all other feasts. He's saying, we're going to eat. We're going to eat. I want you to say welcome home. And then God is saying, I'm making room for you. One of the things I don't like about traveling for Christmas to somebody else's house is hideaway couches and inflatable beds. How many know what I'm talking about? Can I tell you this? In God's house, nobody sleeps on a pull-out couch or an inflatable mattress. He says, if you call on my name, I'm making a room for you. It's a king-size fluffy bed with lots of padding. He says, there's room. There's room. So he's making a feast and he's making room. But think about all the things that we do. We, we eat together. We sleep on the couch or the pull-up bed or the inflatable. We all get together. And he's saying, there's room for you. There's room for you. And the other thing is, he says, bring a friend. Bring a friend. Any friend that calls on the name of the Lord will become family. And we welcome them in. Amen. Bring a friend. Let's fill the house. Sometimes you're like, can I bring a friend home? And you're like, I don't know, we, uh, come on, we need to make room. And if you say that to God, now you say, can I bring a friend home? He says, yes, yes, by all means. There's always room for more. And any friend brought to Jesus becomes family. And so with that being said, I want to say, it's time to say, welcome home. Let's be home for Christmas. Let's say to God, it's more than a place. It's more than a longing to have a meal. It's a longing to really be with God the Father. It's a longing to say, Jesus, will you forgive me? So here and at all of our campuses, I'd like you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And here and at all of our campuses, our campus pastors are going to give an opportunity for you to give your life to Jesus Christ, to say, welcome home. Jesus, I'll be home for Christmas. And I want to make my heart your home. So right now, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, here at our campus, if that's you, you say, Pastor Rob, I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I understand it's Christmas season. I get that there's festivities and things that are going on, but I haven't given my life to Jesus Christ. Sure, maybe I go to church, but I haven't really said, Jesus, will you be my Lord and Savior? Maybe you're visiting. Maybe you're invited by a friend, and you're saying, I don't know if there's room for me. There's room for you. There's room for you. God sent Jesus to live in the mess so that you could know that you're forgiven, that messy people are invited, that they're welcome. And so God says, will you trust me? Will you ask for this forgiveness? So in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you want to be included in this closing prayer. And you say, Pastor Rob, that's me. I'm in. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want to make my heart his home. I realize that God loves me so much. He says, let's be home for Christmas. Let's reconnect. Let me be your Lord and Savior. Let me be your God. Let me forgive you of all the things that you've done wrong.
So if that's you and you'd like to be included in this closing prayer, all across this room, with everyone else's heads bowed, would you take a moment to raise your hand and look up at me? And I'd love to acknowledge that. And then you could put it down and I would include you in that closing prayer. You'd say, Pastor Rob, include me. Yes, I come into agreement. I see your hand. Yes, way in the back. I see your hand. Another one over there on the side. Yes, I come into agreement. Yes, up here towards the front. I come into agreement. Yes. I'm looking around. I see some way in the back. Yes. How about my left? Your right. Is there anyone you want to say, I'm in. Pastor Rob, I need to be in. This is the moment. I want to say home for Christmas. My heart needs to be the home for Jesus. And I want to be forgiven. Yes. Thank you for those that are raising their hands. If you don't think I saw your hand, would you just, just wave it? Wave it. Just make sure I see. I see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yes. Eight. Yes. 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 So good. You can put your hands down. And I want to pray for those people that had their hands up or they were waving. Or maybe you didn't even have your hand up. But you're like, oh, I need it. I need it. I need it. I would pray this and include you in this prayer. I'm going to pray a line, and then I'm going to ask for you to pray a line out loud after me. What's going to happen is all the other people around River Valley, they're going to pray with you. Nobody prays this prayer alone. We let you have a very uh, private moment there, but we want to pray out loud with you and just encourage you in this prayer. So I'll pray a line, and then you pray a line. You say, I don't even know what to pray. I'll lead you. And the Bible says God will forgive you of your sins. Your, Your heart will become his home, and he will say, welcome home. Welcome home. So let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, let's pray that after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins and all that I've done wrong. Forgive me of my mess. I believe you died on the cross and rose again from the dead so that I could be forgiven and I receive that forgiveness. Now this very day, I pledge to live my entire life for your glory. Give me the strength to do that. In Jesus' name I pray. So Lord, I thank you for all those that prayed this prayer that said that they were sorry for their sins. They realize that they've made a mess. But Lord Jesus, if you could be sent into the middle of the mess, you can forgive them of their mess. And it's true, you did that very thing. I pray they'd realize it's true that if they prayed that prayer and believed it with their heart, Lord, you have forgiven them and you now say, welcome home. Christmas says, welcome home. They're home for Christmas. And we celebrate and rejoice that in that with them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Can we thank God for those eight people that raised their hand and prayed that prayer? in this place, all over this room. I want us to grab hold of this moment. We're going to sing, Oh, come, let us adore him with one voice. Let's sing. Oh, come, let us adore. Come on.
to say something to those people that made Jesus their Lord and Savior and said, welcome home. My heart is now your home. I want to ask you to do two things before you go to bed tonight. They're very easy, okay? I want you to get this book, Now What? The pastors and I at the church, we, all, we wrote it together. And it just says, now what? Like, I gave my life to Jesus. He, he forgave me of my mess. Now, how do I move forward living for Jesus like I prayed? It's just a simple way to show you how to walk with God. And we'd love to give you that. The prayer teams will have it. They'll be all across the front. Matter of fact, prayer teams, you can make your way on up here even now. And if you don't want to come forward for it, we have it at the Welcome Center. They would love to give it to you and say, hey, it's a free gift. Thank you for giving your life to Jesus Christ. Second thing, this one's a little harder. Before you go to bed tonight, I want you to tell someone that you gave your life to Jesus Christ. I want you to tell someone. I want you to open up your mouth and you can call a relative. You can talk to a neighbor or a friend. You can talk to somebody at church. But if they're a follower of Jesus Christ and you tell them that, they're going to be excited for you. They're going to be genuinely excited. And so I just want you to go public with it to someone before you go to bed tonight. It's 6.38. You've got a little bit of time. All right? So get the book and then tell someone and then continue to live for God and we'll see you next week at church. But the prayer teams, if you have any questions, they would love to answer any questions about what does it mean now that you're saying, I want to make my heart the home for Jesus and I want to say I'm home for Christmas. So let's celebrate this together one more time. People giving their life to Jesus Christ and have an amazing week serving the Lord. Let's celebrate one more time. People giving their life to Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you. Merry Christmas.